<laughs> I first of all want to thank Bill for giving me this opportunity. You know, he was just asking, how long has it been since you've spoke to a congregation this big? And I thought about it and I said, I thought to myself, well, I, I have this dear brother, Haitian brother, who was in Haiti, and he started with one church. And I said, okay, uh, what was so significant in your life? And he said, one of the sisters came to me and said, you need the Holy Ghost. And 40 years later, he oversees 300 churches in Haiti and 16 in the Dominican Republic. Um, the brother has gone on to be with the Lord, and he asked me, oh, several years ago to come down and speak to these about 100 Haitian pastors. And so it's been about 10 years since I spoke to a congregation this big. And it was quite interesting um, because there was an interpreter, interpreter for what I had to say. And so I'd speak and then he'd interpret. I'd speak and then interpret. And then afterwards, some of them came up to me and said, I'm so thankful, so thankful that you're here. And they were crying. And it was such a blessed time. And I'm just hoping after I speak today, you guys aren't all crying. <laughs> so, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was at my, grand, at my daughter's house and I was just seeking the Lord, and he spoke to me, expect the supernatural. Amen. So, what is supernatural? Let me start with this uh, story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. The company of the prophets said to Elijah, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron ax head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron to float. Now we all know that iron doesn't float. That definitely was supernatural. But how do we define supernatural? Well, one definition I found, it's a manifestation or an event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or laws of nature. One more time. A manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or laws of nature. Now, I know that Bill has ministered several times on Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And that power is the dunamis. That's a supernatural thing. Um, you know, Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples before he went up into heaven, said, remain in Jerusalem until you receive that power from on high. 
And Jesus has that power for each and every one of us. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 says this, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another by the same Spirit the gift of faith, to another gifts of prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Now notice it says these manifestations of the Spirit are given to each one as he would have it, as the Spirit would have it. Each one of you needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost and have one of these nine manifestations working in your life. Now, when I was growing up, I went to a congregational church and basically they didn't teach me anything about the Lord. So I didn't have to unlearn a bunch of things. So my older sister got saved. She, she witnessed to us, I gave my heart to the Lord. Then I started dating my, my current wife. <laughs> um, and it, it was interesting because I went, you know, I met her, I met her mom, and her mom could never remember my name. So she called me Pete. <laughs> and then her dad had never said anything about the people that she had dated, but she, he took Judy aside and said, you know, I don't trust this kid. I think he's just sneaky. And so for the first five months we dated, I was known as Sneaky Pete. <laughs> so Judy and I decided to get married, and her parents said, nope, she's not old enough. Well, she was only 18 at the time. And, you know, her mother was spirit-filled, and she said, you know, I prayed about it. I just don't think that this is right. It's just, uh, nope, can't do it. And, of course, we said, well, we prayed about it, and we know this is what the Lord would have. And so there's a little conflict for a while. And then my mother-in-law, future mother-in-law, said, you should go to this retreat over in Hastings, Michigan. So we went, and Judy was working at, as a nurse's aide at a hospital at the time, and she had kind of befriended this other Baptist lady, and this Baptist lady said, no, speaking in tongues, that's of the devil. And so we're taught, I never heard of tongues. You know, I went to a congregational church. So we get to this retreat, and Judy's mother says, Phil, I think you should go hear this one guy talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I didn't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was, but I said, okay, sure. So I went, and the guy was explaining what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And he says, just start worshiping the Lord. And as you're worshiping the Lord, as the Lord leads, I'll come along and pray for you. And so I was just worshiping the Lord. And, you know, you can only worship the Lord, it seems like, so long, and you run out, run out of words. And then he laid hands on me, and I just started speaking in tongues. Um, that is a supernatural gift. 
those, that's one of the nine manifestations of supernatural things that happen. And then later on, I found out that she had been praying that if I was the man for the boy, whatever, if I was only 21 at the time, if I was one for Judy, the Lord would baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And so now it was okay for us to get married, but we had to wait till she was 19. So I was moving to Sandusky, so she turned 19 on August 13th, and we got married on August 14th. Now, so basically, I was saved for, I don't know, six months, and then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And so I'm acquainted with a little bit of the supernatural. But when I was a kid, I hated to speak in front of people. Uh, wasn't too bad. You know, I was the youngest one of five in my family, and I always got to eat with the kids' table. Right, so I always used to speak to the little ones, not the grown-ups. So when I got to uh, high school, when I got to college, I had to take a speech class, and that was terrible, but I got through it. So then I get to, get to uh, teach in school up in Sandusky, and these kids are all younger than me, so I can handle that okay. But again, if I'm speaking to people older than I am, it's just terrible. I, my voice shakes and quivers. I can't do anything. Uh, lucky for me today, most of you are a lot younger than I am. <laughs> so <clears throat> another thing that happened, you know, when you're first filled with the Holy Ghost, that power comes upon you. So I had been coaching for two or three years. And this one year, I had seven out of the 15 basketball kids I had were Christians. We had a great year, it's fabulous, and then afterwards, you have to have a banquet and you have to get up and talk in front of everybody. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so, just after the season, five of these kids were going to a birthday party, and the tie rod broke on one of these, on this car, when this guy was going, I don't know how fast, he smashed into a culvert. A couple of the kids had broken arms. He broke off the steering wheel with his face. And they rushed him to Saginaw Hospital. Uh, he broke some bones in his face. Actually, this cheekbone was pushed in so far that his eyeball came down a little bit. And so, wonderful kid, wonderful family. So I'm praying in tongues, I'm seeking the Lord, I'm saying, Lord, save this kid, just save him. Bring his life back, help him to live. And you know, the Lord showed me that he was gonna heal him. And so Monday night, another one of the brothers went over, one of the coach, the guy that I coached with, went and we went over to the hospital. And I look at Jay, and his face looks like a balloon. He's got his mouth wired shut. His eyes are closed and swollen. Um, so we're there and we pray with him. And as we're leaving, he grips my hand. And I knew right then that Jesus was gonna make it so he'll live. Well, that Wednesday, 
we had our awards banquet. And so, again, I don't want to talk in front of a bunch of people. So I get up in front and I said, I know you all want to know how Jay is doing. And I just started bawling. I just started crying and, and, and you know, the Lord works with us. The Lord just works with us. The things that we don't like to do, the things that we have a hard time, he gives us the strength to do that. And when I said that, and I cried in front of everybody, just something broke inside me. But you know, that gift of faith it was one of the power gifts. And I've got some power gifts lifted here. I had the, the nine basic manifestations of the Spirit broken down into three parts. The speaking parts, which are tongues, which we've heard in this church. Interpretation, which we've heard in this church. And prophecy which is in this church. Uh, the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, and we see these in operation in our midst. And then the power gifts, the gift of faith that I just mentioned, the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. Now, <laughs> let me move on. Um, you know, sometimes the Lord asks special things of us. James 2, verse 20 says, As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. And if you remember in James chapter 2, it talks about Abraham. And Abraham offered up his son Isaac, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And then it talks about Rahab the prostitute. And she lodged the spies and sent them out a different way. And that was counted to her as righteousness. Now sometimes we need to move by our faith. It says, faith without works is dead. So I remember when we were first married, I was playing tennis with my brother-in-law. I sprained my ankle. And so we are, had this house we were renting out in the country. It only had a bathtub, didn't have a shower, right? So I'm limping back to the house. And of course we prayed. And I'm a phys ed major. You know, I've taken some things on anatomy and physiology. And I know if I've sprained my ankle, and I hop into that bathtub, a hot bathtub, my ankle is gonna swell up like crazy. And I thought about it and just the thought came to me, if God has healed me, I can get into that warm bathtub and that's not gonna change anything. So I took a bath, got out of the bathtub and my ankle that had been swollen had totally reduced, back to normal. Faith without works is dead. That's a work of faith. Then, <clears throat> about five years ago, some of you know my son Joel. He's about 6'4", 210 pounds, athletic type kid. He's, what, 45 now, I think, or something like that. He was water skiing. And all of a sudden, he was trying to slalom, and his leg flew back up over his head. 
and he tore his hamstring muscles so bad. It was, his leg was huge, it was bruised, it was so bad he said he couldn't even go to the bathroom. He goes to the doctors, the doctors do x-rays, and it was so swollen they couldn't see anything. Now, I'm, I'm not, I don't know a lot about hamstrings. I know they're attached up to your hip girdle and there's maybe three or four different places they're attached. So the doctor said, hey, I don't want you moving on that thing for six weeks. In a couple more weeks, come back in, we'll take x-rays again. So my son and my daughter-in-law are just seeking the Lord one, one day, what, four or five days later, and one said to the other, hey, let's go over to so-and-so house. They prayed for somebody and they got healed. And the other one said, you know, if the Lord wants to heal me, he can heal me right here. So Joel says he was just sitting there praying and he just started weeping. Spirit of the Lord came on him and the Lord said, I want you to get up and dance. And he goes, I can't do that. I can't even move. So they just sat there for a while and a little bit while. A little while later, the Lord said, Joel, I want you to get up and dance. And so he said, here I am, I can't move. So he says, I get up and I'm going. <laughs> and he says, I'm going, and then a little bit longer, I'm going a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and then I'm dancing before the Lord. Instantly. He was healed. Faith without works is dead. Sometimes we just need to move out on faith and, and hear the Lord and obey his voice. Now, this one is a little bit interesting. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was just praying and, and saying, Lord, what can I have to share with my brothers and sisters? And he says to me, you don't, you're not expecting to see the supernatural. And so I'm reading this, these verses in Mark. You know the story about where Jesus fed the 5,000 with two loaves and two fish. Of five loaves and two fish, he fed 5,000 plus children and women. And I'll jump in here at Mark 6, 45 through 52. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed in the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about 
Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. As when the Israeli, Israelites were coming out of Egypt, they hardened the heart. They had seen all these miracles, and yet their hearts were hardened. And so I'm seeking the Lord, and he convicts me that my heart has been hardened. You know, I, I, I used to think that, you know, people with hardened hearts, they're the ones that reject the Lord. They're the ones that don't care about anything. But, you know, we as Christians can develop hardened hearts. So as I'm thinking about this, I had just been in Houston where I have a son and grandchildren, and of course, my daughter, son-in-law, my daughter. And I'm there, we're with him for a week, and my son-in-law lost his job. He's got this other one that's in the works, but he's not making it. And you know, I was with him for a week. Did one time did I say, Andrew, let's pray. I know that God can do something here. I didn't. My daughter has rheumatoid arthritis. And she suffers with that. I was with her for a week. Did I say, Sarah, let's pray. God can do the supernatural. No, I didn't. And then I have, we stopped in Wichita Falls and I saw uh, another granddaughter and she's got CMT disease. Well, CMT, I don't know what the three words were. It's named for these three people that discovered this one the guy's name is two and what it is is she has no feeling in her extremities in her nerves so for example one time she stood on a fire anthill barefooted and all these fire ants stung her legs she never felt them at all and it's a disease that it gets worse kids, I'm having to prepare a lesson, I'm having to give the lesson, so it was hard for me to meditate on, on the word all the time, but you know, I'm retired, I can meditate on that word more, um, we just need to hear and get those scriptures in our hearts and meditate, um, and then, uh, 
Dr. Fauci, and there were all these different things that they were trying to use to combat this COVID. Uh, one of them was hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil. And I know that Judy had taken that years ago when she was having some problems or something. And, and that drug wouldn't hurt anybody. And then Dr. Fauci was saying, oh, you can't take that. So, you know, that's gonna hurt your heart. You're gonna mess up your heart. So I'm praying for him and I'm saying, Lord, you know, he's, he's not seeing anything new. He's just going by what he's seen in the past. And so I'm praying, Lord, change his thinking. And then the Lord says to me, Phil, you need to change the way you think. Um, and the scripture for that is Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I needed to transform my mind. I'd had some things that I'd learned through the years uh, that were right. Um, for example, is it easier for the Lord to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, or your sins are forgiven? And I know, you know, at this church we've taught that with salvation, what, what, with what Jesus has done on the cross, yes, it's salvation, but it's also healing. You know, there's a sozo, and sozo means to be healed. Those that call upon the Lord shall be saved, or they shall be sozoed. Healing is part of that whole salvation thing. And I needed to change my mind, and it's been changing. Praise the Lord for that. So what else can we do? We need to realize who we are in Christ. We need to get into the Word. We need to see what He's done for us. We need to relate to what Jesus is. Um, you know, Romans 8, 11 says, If that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. It will make you alive. It will set you on fire. Colossians 1, 27 says, Christ in you the hope of glory. It's Christ that's in us. <clears throat> One other thing, Colossians 2, 9 and 10, some of my favorite scriptures, in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. I know I, I make it a habit to check out some of the words with the Strong's Concordance. And so I'm looking up this word, all right, I'm complete in him. What does that mean? And so I look it up, and the strong says, replete. And I'm going, I don't know how many of you can know what the word replete means. Uh, so I have to go to the Webster's Dictionary. And the dictionary says, replete means you're engorged. And so those of us that know Jesus, we're just not a little bit Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in us. We're engorged. Jesus is coming out of us. We need to realize 
who we are in Jesus. Now, as we do that, our lives change. Our families' lives change. The church changes. Just a couple more examples of what this church has meant in my life. Um, oh, I don't know, probably 20 years ago, I start having this crud in my chest all the time. So I go to the doctors, he'd give me a prescription, and then it would go away, and then maybe a couple months later it would come back. And so I repeated this process for about a year. So then he sends me to a pulmonologist, and a pulmonologist says, um, I think you have asthma. And I'm going, wait a minute, I'm 50 years old, why would I develop asthma all of a sudden? He goes, well, it happens. And I'm going, no, no, I'm not gonna take that diagnosis. Well, to make a long story short, then I'm in church when we're at the other building, and Bill has a word of knowledge, and he says, I think the Lord wants to heal those people who have acid reflux. And of course, I went up, and I asked for prayer, and praise the Lord, God healed me of that acid reflux. You know, Scripture says, desire the best gifts, right? Those nine manifestations desire the best ones. And I'm thinking, what are the best ones? They're all great. Um, and I came to the conclusion, the best ones are the ones you need right now. If you need healing, the best gift is a healing. If you need encouragement, the best word is to be encouraged. Um, so, oh, maybe two years ago, uh, some of you met my grandson, Mackie, um, and he was just struggling so bad. He was, I think, 15 at the time, and he was just so depressed and so discouraged. And Sarah calls and says, please pray for Mackie. I, he could, I feel like he could be so bad that he could even commit suicide. And so, <clears throat> Jude and I are just praying like, praying like mad. We come to church and Bill has the prayer team come up and they're praying for different things. And one of the families in the church came over and said, hey, can we pray for you guys? And of course we said, sure. And so, he's praying. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he says, you have a grandchild that is really struggling. God wants you to know he's going to take care of this problem, and your grandson is going to do well. And we need one another. We need one another. We need those gifts, those supernatural gifts in operation. What can we do? We can seek the Lord. We can meditate on his word. We can have that Jesus come alive in us. If we do, we're going to change our family. We're going to change our friends. We're going to change this church. We're going to change this community. Praise God. He's doing it. As we seek the Lord together, he's going to make a supernatural thing happen in each heart happen in this community. Amen.